Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Your Questions Answered, where myself, Adam Wilborn, and a member of the What Culture Wrestling team take on your burning wrestling questions. And joining me today to take on the Q&A community is Michael Hamflet, back for another round. Uh, all these questions tweeted to us at What Culture WWE. Watch that. You can follow both of us. You can follow him at Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and the round of the week complete with a league quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamflet. Let's dive straight into these questions, Hamflet. Uh, one that sort of sums up quite a few we got pretty instantly comes from Callum. I'm trying to use this as a bit of a catch-all. Callum says... Is SmackDown actually that much better than Raw, or is it all just a fallacy? If so, what is it that exactly makes SmackDown better? I I think I'm closer to my fellow Dadley, Michael Sidgwick's very public uh, distaste for SmackDown than I am people's gushing praise for it. I think it certainly stands as the lesser of two evils uh, when held up against Monday Night Raw. But let's not lose sight of the fact that it's still pretty evil. Um, it's not a good wrestling show, I don't think. I think it's got the better and more dynamic wrestlers on. I think the um, the wrestlers themselves feel like marginally, and I mean marginally freer because they feel like there's more time dedicated to matches on SmackDown than there is on Raw. Yeah. So there's less claggy promos kind of clogging the toilet bowl, which is what Raw always feels like. There was you a minute block on this week's Raw where he, technically was there was a fight. There was a brawl, not, not an official match, but there was 54 minutes between official matches on Raw, which is getting back to sort of TNA levels of... Oh, my word. 54 minutes. Like, they don't really have that time over two hours on SmackDown. Um, and, you know, like, periods for shows are forever defined by the stars on them at the time. And you can hate everything on a show and yet be so in love with the top programs that you kind of don't care because the stuff in the middle that you don't like is just the delay to the bit that you do. And the two examples for me that like SmackDown in the last year had Sasha and Bailey, and then it had Roman Reigns and mm. it virtually had them consecutively too. You were kind of on the verge of wrapping up Sasha and Bailey when Roman Reigns returned as the tribal chief. Um, his angles are brilliant. His promos are good. It's one of the rare cases where you kind of want that opening 10-minute promo for Roman to set the scene, set the table, as it were. They're generally quite good. 
Um, and what it does is it put, just puts you in a better mood. So it's there's some characters that I think are just as bad as and just as illogical as the stuff you get on Monday Night Raw. But you're just in a more patient mood with them. You know, we we enjoy getting to say the dirty dogs more than we enjoy getting to book them because now it happens in that tag division. But you're just like, all right, yeah, this match will do because Chad Gable's really good and the Roman Reigns promo at the start of the show was really entertaining. Like, if and the Street Profits are a better example, right? Because how bored were we of the Street Profits on Raw? But like, it's just, it's uh, yeah, they're kind of a nice distraction for a bit until we get to the stuff that we really like on SmackDown. And I just, I think that's, I think that's it. I think like less time to waste and the better stuff. SmackDown's been blessed with having the better stuff over the last sort of year or so that it just makes it easier to sift through the garbage. I don't, I think, I genuinely think it's generous to say that it's good. I just think it's WWE operating at the best version of its pandemic self. I think it's, I think a lot of times it's more entertaining and easier to watch than NXT. I'll give it that. Yeah. Do you think uh, Paul Heyman is, you know, he's not obviously in an official capacity, but do you think he's still involved to a certain, certainly with the Roman stuff? That, that is that why it helps the show as well? Possibly. Um, I'd like to think it was that because we saw what happened when he was in a more senior role on Raw and it kind of took the bloom off the rose, didn't it? Like, oh, there goes, there goes somebody else positioned as a saviour under Vincent Mann's thumb because they're still under Vince's thumb. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to push my young guys. How are you going to do it? Gary the Goat Garbutt. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to get Ricochet over how? Loses to AJ Styles all the time. Cool. Like, it's just, it's, you can have his ideas, but all of it is still ultimately crushed in the hands in, like, to dust by Vince McMahon. And I think letting him and be part of one character that he is involved with is a better use of Paul Heyman than trying to spread his magic across a whole roster. I'm really torn on this because I can see where you're both coming from, but more often than not, I'm sat there on a Saturday lunchtime having watched SmackDown and gone, bloody hell, what a great show. But then I, you know, the more I think, like the one time I actually sat there and had to analyse it when I was working on a Saturday, I think I also got a really good episode of SmackDown. So there's me feeling, yeah. this was great. I'm like, I <laughs> often sort of thing. But I will caveat this by saying the SmackDown preview is great. We have a good laugh on that, but it is also like Friday. So you're like, weekend. And (laughs) it seems really simplistic, this, but I I do think there there is a factor to it. I wake up, well rested on a Saturday. uh, What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) On a a very rare occasion, I'll stay up and watch SmackDown live. But more often than not, I'll wake up, well rested. I watch SmackDown. But like you say, maybe I don't take into account because I go, sit there and watch the, sit there and watch the Roman Reigns promo, obviously. Sit there and watch and backstage interview with, Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair, or who, you know, whoever it may be, and uh, the, you know, it's divisive. But like the Apollo Crews, Big E, Commander Aziz stuff. But then, like when it gets to Natalia versus Shayna Baszler, or Tamina versus Nia Jax, or whatever, I've got to be honest. I do sort of go and skip skip towards the finish because I don't need to make notes and, and analyze it or anything. And yeah. then I just, if I don't like it, I go, oh, that was crap. Anyway, oh, let's see something else to distract me. And then, like you say. <laughs> Top and it's the time, it's two hours, it feels a lot more consumable. Um, uh, you know, and, it, and like you say, usually it's topped and tailed by a Roman Reigns or a Daniel Bryan or an Edge in, in recent uh weeks and months. So, I genuinely, genuinely don't know. Um, I think it's it's without question better than Raw, though, even yeah, oh, yeah, it even is. like you say, and as I keep saying, it's. SmackDown, do you get less rubbish? Now, Raw stood next to you, so... Yeah, it's like saying SmackDown's better than Raw is like a li- setting a limbo bar up that the great Carly could walk under without having to duck. <laughs> like, 
it's just that, but it's a measure of how awful Raw is. Like, I, I don't want to, like, it's not my goal to piss on anybody's chips if you enjoy SmackDown either. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to undermine the particularly positive weeks or the great angles. Like, like what you like. That's always the message, Christ almighty. But, uh, yeah, I tend to feel like after I've watched the SmackDown, some of the praise feels glowing because people have just relieved they haven't just sat through a Raw. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking about uh, SmackDown, though, Aaron Long asks, uh, if Roman was to add wrestlers to his table, stable table, good, I like that, uh, in a bid to hold all the gold, who would you go with? Personally, I'd love to see Shayna Baszler as a Paul Heyman girl and go on a super violent run. Uh, Joe had been my thought for Intercontinental Champion. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't put Jimmy E so set to come back, so let's <laughs> just get him out of the way now. Um, like, I like a, I like a reunited... Bloodline, they were called, weren't they? Like, I like that as an act. I think it just fits and it makes sense. Um, we've talked about this on another podcast coming soon to IG and Spotify, wherever you get them, about um, Sonia Deville. Is she making the choices to undermine Adam Pearce? Or is she making the choices because she sees her best interests elsewhere? She's absolutely hard as, like, completely believable, not tarnished. So, like, relatively undamaged, considering, yeah. like, how a lot of the booking just destroys acts and would be completely believable as a like a Paul Heyman project as well. And that's what you get if you kind of fold in somebody at the Roman Reigns stable, the table, um, is the, the kind of managerial assist of a Paul Heyman, somebody that Paul Heyman can respect and fear in the same way that he does Roman Reigns. And I like that angle in general. I can't work out what it is I like so much about the admin squabbles of Sonny Deville mm. and Adam Pearce. And I'm wondering the more I talk about it, if it's because is there... Is there a Roman Reigns looking on from the side, like, well, through probably through Paul Heyman whispering in her ear, you know? Um, I loved, loved the very small detail of Roman getting in the head of Apollo Crews. Loved it. Mm. They don't have to be mates. They don't have to be mates. But what a moment that is for both characters. What it, what a moment that is for Roman to be like, why don't you just try doing this? And then Apollo's career turns around. That like that gets both of them over. And I like that Roman might have that like looming soprano presence on SmackDown. So yeah, DeVille would be a great one because he's plucked somebody from the top, effectively the top level and brought them into the fold. I love the, the booking of Shayna Baszler there, especially because mm. you can either have it where they're all just, you know, all in a big stable and stuff, which is, you know, a bit convoluted in terms of, you know, do you want them people going, oh, we've got the Hurt business over there. And I know we've already got, I know we've sort of already got it on SmackDown, but it just feels like expanding it is, dangerous particularly with all the complaints with AEW and people might just say they're just copying AEW you know I know they're not they've not invented stables but but I do love the idea of Shania Baszler acknowledging the fact that it's been crap on the main roster for her and she thinks well seeing what he could do to Roman Reigns and there's a way you can introduce Team Angle 2.0 aka Team Baszler 1.0 Gentlemen, you can Marina Shafir, who just disappeared off the face of this bloody earth, and I'd love that because, in terms of like, a, I've got you an insurance policy. You might remember them; they're pretty bloody useful for you in NXT. Here they are. Oh, great! Here she is. Murder everyone, win the world title. Because, like, I'm telling you, it's still there. I'm, I promise you, they can still do something with her. I'm, I'm realise I'm shouting into the void every week. It seems with Shane. <laughs> They, they completely missed the boat with her WrestleMania 36, but still, yeah, uh, I, I think booking Shayna Baszler as a, I think, I think anyone else would feel quite convoluted, like Liv Morgan's gone really edgy. No, no, mm. no. Ruby Riot, no. 
Um, I, I, I think Aaron might have hit the nail on the head with, uh, with that one. Uh, right, let's get the admin out of the way for uh, for every podcast I have with you where I pitch for questions. Matt Reigns has uh, been in touch. Uh, he says, hi, yeah, Matt Reigns again, Cedric, Cedric mega fan. Uh, can this Dadley please go on extended break again, only permanently this time? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's nice that he sends in questions because it's the only way that Matt Reigns will ever be heard on a goddamn podcast. A piece of shit. Uh, thanks, as always, for your support. Um, and my, sy- my sympathies, as always, to Ashley Reigns. <laughs> and another question. So Oliver's getting involved now. Uh, Oliver says, when will the Hamlet versus Matt Reigns match take place? And if it's three stages of hell, what stips would you both pick? Matt's picked. He said, my pick is an IPA chugging contest. I'll let that bitch pick the other two. Uh, how are you with, with chugging uh, and chugging IPAs in particular? Because I am dreadful at that sort of thing. I mean, I welcome that, but it's funny that Matt Reigns has picked one because I'm the one with the microphone. Interesting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> looks like looks like I'm picking all three stipulations. 4-1, Matt Reigns in a shark cage. 4-2, Matt Reigns in a shark cage. I win two falls to nil. He just stays in the shark cage and we all go home. Yeah. Uh, Daniel BA4 says, how low do the ratings have to reach for WWE to actually change something with their product? Hmm. Uh, nothing now. The game is always changing and we are barely, like as viewers, to sort of tie us in, it, it's been a while since we made up 50% of their earnings and their profits. It feels like it's going to be an even smaller percentage as the years go on. If you look at the Peacock deal as the latest sort of like looming cloud that hangs over audience consumption versus creative change. Like I would love to think that if the same thing happened, if AEW's creative um, juices departed them and the ratings plummeted, then changes might be made. You know, the TNT would look upon the numbers and think these are quite disappointing. We might not give you another four-year extension or something like that, and then changes would occur. WWE's a different beast at this point. They're pumping out so much content every week. Content, content, content. Did you miss the Viking Raiders return after WrestleMania? Well, here's an identical match the second week. Like, have a go on this one. It's basically a practice match. Like, their return was basically a practice match for Adnan Verk. So, like, you know, just, like, give that, give him, give his new job a turn. Um, yeah, I'd, like, you never say never. There might like heads might roll, championships might change hands off the back of a slump. They might deem somebody not to be a draw and they might go with somebody else as a result. But I can't promise that you're going to like that somebody much more or that the story is going to be better told or anything like that. They are pleasing their ginormous paymasters, unfortunately. I wish we were their paymasters, but we are not. And with the sheer amount of churn, they are pleasing them. I think you would need to see. I don't, I don't even think it's like pettiness might want Vince to beat AEW if let's pretend Dynamite and Raw went head to head. But I don't even think shareholders would look upon that with great frowns as long as your likes of your Peacocks and your Disney Pluses or whoever were circling around the network. The thing it speaks volumes, the numbers that they did after WrestleMania. Because um, I think we've hit that bit where that's it. That's the lowest it may well get. Like people will sit there and moan and complain, but it's, they're such creatures of habit. And I love the fact that I tweeted moaning about it the other day and someone, why did you stop watching it? Well, what if I bloody could, mate? I'd probably still watch, <laughs> I'd probably still watch two thirds of the WWE that I still watch, uh, that I already watched, sorry. I'd probably still watch SmackDown. I'd probably still watch NXT, maybe not immediately the day after or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'd drop Raw like a, yeah, cold bag of sick. Than tomorrow, 
Um, Craig Gass, uh, you know, WE obviously struggling financially, so they had to, to release a few people uh, just to really balance those books on recently. Uh, Craig Gass says, out of all the recently released wrestlers from WWE, who do you think will surprise people the most on how good their post-WWE career will be? I'm going to go with the Iconics. Um, yes! And that Perhaps that compliment feels backhanded because the idea of surprise means that people don't have any expectations. I don't think that's the case, but I just think that we were only just seeing the like the surface level ability beyond that like WWE brand comedy, which they'd mastered. Uh, I don't think the transition is going to be as easy as people think. And I think that's why it's going to be a surprise. I think if they turn up in, it's feeling like, I don't know, impact more than AEW for whatever reason. I've got it in my head that they just seem to suit impact more than AEW. Um, but then one could argue that Impact's currently got a better women's division, so maybe it's the place for them to go anyway. Like, I don't think they'll settle as quick as people believe. I think it'll take some getting used to the new names, whatever the new catchphrase is. Um, Peyton Royce, at least, probably Billy Kay as well, but certainly Peyton Royce will be expected to offer quite a lot in the ring straight away because there'll be a lot of people that will be fighting a corner saying, remembering the my potential haunts me stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, there's going to be some big matches expected out of her straight away, and it'll be interesting to see how she levels up to that test. But I think eventually they'll get there, and there'll be a big deal, and they'll elevate. I think that's what's going to happen with the Iconics. I genuinely believe, and it could be in the Impact Women's Division, but not enough people, myself included, on these podcasts talk about how great Diana Parazzo's uh, running Impact has been as its women's champion uh, in terms of match quality. I think the Iconics might be able to bring more eyes and I know they used to have two in the WWE. You know, they might be able to bring some more eyes to that product so that even if they're not contributing to the great matches, more people are watching the great matches. I, I, I really feel like they could be a difference maker in that division. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Some great questions getting sent to us today at What Culture WWE. Of course, if you want to uh, do this, we'll we answer them every day on the news, of course. Uh, I can see why he's asked this question. Uh, Dopamine Explosion asks, uh, hi, guys. I adore the podcast. Thank you very much, Dopamine Explosion. Can you can I ask whether you whether you could ever see Walter end up on AEW one day? Who would you like him to face? And why is that person Wardlow? <laughs> Great. Yes. Um Walter's a funny one, isn't he? Because he seems to have have it made. Um, I wouldn't want to appear at the BT Sports studio, but Walter seems to have no problem with it as long as there's the promise of chopping some absolute loser. Um, <laughs> that's not fair to the dragon off. That was a hell of a beat, and I wouldn't want to take that. But you know what I mean? Like, you kind of, I don't think, I think that belt is meaningless. I don't think it's prestigious. I don't care. He could hold it for 3,000 days, and I don't think it's got much real prestige. But he feels like a prestigious champion, if you know what I mean. If, that, if you can kind of create that separation, as Paul would say. Um, I, if the money's right, yes, I, I could see him going to AW because it doesn't seem to me as if he's been swallowed up by the majesty of being a WWE superstar. He enjoyed his little trip to Chicago to be out chopped by Drew McIntyre, um, probably for a good payday. He's not become an NXT regular. He feels like a special attraction you know, in like an American NXT. So I'd like to think he's a guy that kind of knows his worth. And if his contract was coming up and AEW were going to offer him a similar deal where he doesn't have to live permanently in Florida, which doesn't seem to be something he wants to do, like, why would he not take it? The dream matches there are, Wardlow is great, um, but so is Mark Huston. You know, like uh, a, a roster of AEW's range allows for countless amazing Walter matches and he doesn't even need to be a weekly TV regular to make them fun. Yeah, I love him as a special track. I think I do. I do think that, and, and whether it's because I only see him on occasion, like you say, whether it be Worlds Collide or um, Survivor Series, or like you said with with uh, Champer and what have you, I think I, I, I don't think I want to see him every week or even every month, if I'm perfectly honest. So I love him as just a yeah, I come in, murder some dude, chop their chest till it's red raw, and then go home again, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, could very much see him in AEW, like you say, if they can if they can match. The the offer that WWE made in, uh, has made in terms of, of organization. Uh, sticking with AEW and especially off the back of Dynamite this week, F and W Waffle says, "I've had a feeling that AEW have been positioning Miro as the next challenger to Kenny Omega after Mox or Kingston. How do you think that will work out? Will he be received as a babyface? Yeah, could Miro be a title contender in AEW? We initially thought that they botched it, and then Arcade Anarchy, and they he had the odd." flashes in other matches it, it, it could be a great tale of redemption for the former Rusev in AEW yeah um I'll be honest that like my when he started talking about chasing championships just to look at the size disparity and how much fun he had beaten up Kip Sabian it started Darby Allen started to slot into place as a kind of perfect pairing um Miro I could see him trying Omega do you know what I mean I, I couldn't see him winning that title anytime soon he doesn't feel feels a long way off that level but I think the match is fascinating. I think it's a really unique television match. It's um, one of those pairings that AEW like should hold on to because there was certainly a point where like Miro was a WWE champion elect, and it just didn't happen for him. So to some people, Kenny Omega versus Miro will be a dream match. Will be this clash that you wouldn't have imagined could ever happen. 
like until something like AEW came along. So they should hold on to that. But I could certainly see Miro as a as a kind of like cruel TNT champion. Uh, I don't know, like I don't know if he unseats Derby or he loses to Derby, but then comes good another day. But they've just ever so slightly, and it's pretty much as a result of him battering Kip Sabian, started to make a believer out of me in Miro. I think it's a long road back. I think AEW would be wise to take the time because they have bungled it a little bit with him and with Kip Sabian and with the never-ending best friends feud. Uh, people are very, very keen to see it, but that doesn't mean you need to rush to give them it. Like, right. make the character make the character feel like he's earned his way back, even though we'd probably welcome it straight away. Heel or babyface, Miro? Heel, I think. Mm. This one. He likes wearing his, like, obnoxious tracksuits. <laughs> and, like, again, the Kip Sabian, like, he beat the dog out of Kip Sabian, and you felt a bit of sympathy for Kip Sabian. And he's this little toss pot, isn't he? Like, if you're kind of, oh, bless him, man. Like, that tells, if if you were just roaring along with Miro, that tells me sod it, go with him as a baby face, just a total destroyer. But I think the fact that he drew a bit of sympathy out of Kip Sabian tells me that the money currently is in him as a heel. Yeah. Maybe even when, like, Jungle Boy's world champion. That could be a hell of a... Yeah. Ooh. Smaller guys that he can just be, like, breaking like wishbones, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, sticking with AW, Shaq asks, uh, it might be possible for AW to stay on Wednesday night because the NHL has games that start in the 10 p.m. time slot. Would it be good for Dynamite to lead into the NHL, maybe crossover opportunities for either company stars to show up on another's programme? Yeah, rumours and, and question marks regarding... Uh, as I've joked about at the start of this week, the fact that the real winners of the Wednesday night were apparently hockey. Um, but <laughs> what do you reckon to that? Like, do you think they'll stay on Wednesdays? Do you think that could actually work for them leading into the NHL? I, I guess so. Um, I often worry that we're not, um, we don't know enough about what, how, like, how major sports work as lead-ins or indeed for wrestling as a lead-in to major sports. Um, it's, feels like it all comes down to money. I think like Tony Khan can talk a good game about the importance of staying on Wednesdays and how they've earned their spot on the network. And equally the NHL can like swing it around a bit and say, right, well, with the NHL, you, you know, we ask you to jump and you say how high, Mm -hmm. Um, but it'll surely come down to money and numbers. If hockey, and I'm assuming it does big numbers, but if hockey sort of imposes its will on things, AEW will move and wrestling fans will have to just go with it. If it doesn't, then AEW can probably say, well, look, we've got an established audience here. We risk losing that if we move. It's It'd be nice to think that like they could be judged on proper metrics, mm. on viewers, on retention. Um, it'd be lovely to think that AEW have established a good relationship with TNT to the point where they don't have to move nights. But wrestling fans, unfortunately, often are the ones that are forced to make changes because their show doesn't hold the water as, as other sort of quote-unquote legitimate sports with the network heads. So if AEW does move again, then I wouldn't sort of hold that against AEW as a product. I would just hold it against the kind of the game they're in, unfortunately. Uh, from AEW to NXT, uh, this question comes from FWE. I just want to give a quick nod to their uh, Twitter handle. Not a Abue stan, FWE is apparently interested in calling yeah. to their Twitter bio uh, if an opportunity arose in the future should NXT move back to full sale oh yeah short answer um, I know that relationship was as much to do with the um, students that could work on it and the studios they had set up there and there was a whole deal there 
but Christ, this NXT product needs crowds. And I'm not sure just yet it needs WWE arena crowds. If there's a deal to be made, I think I would like them to make it. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think, you know, just I just want full sale crowds back. Maybe I just want crowds yeah. back. I think in particular, I love the the the, the feeling of a full sale. Uh, and obviously, you know, go back to big arenas when you've got when you've got the big takeover events. Uh, I'm going to be uh, like presumably you are to your children. I'm going to say if you if you eat your greens, I'll give you a dessert. <laughs> You have this horrible question. You can have a nice one afterwards. Neil says, since you don't like The Fiend, did you ever like Bray Wyatt as a character? And would you reinvent him? Uh, I would reinvent him as often as WWE do, which is every single week when they pretend that it's a law and it's one long-standing storyline for the past six years. Hmm. Um, I have fun now with you and Sidgwick talking about ways of things we can do with The Fiend because he is just a piece of silly putty at this point, isn't he? He's not goo, he's black silly putty. And we can just enjoy molding it into all our fun. Did I ever like him? Yes, once, once, one night I liked Bray Wyatt and I really thought they had something. Um, And this happened to come up over the virtual desks with what coaches on Gareth Morgan today. He had a tag team match with Roman Reigns on the, I think it was the April 18th, 2016 edition of Raw where the two of them kind of like combined forces to push back the League of Nations remember them dweebs Um, like they were just irritants at this point but they'd you know they found common enemies in WWE champion Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt who had only just returned and the two of them had a tag match Bray worked as a kind of a baby face that Roman was suspicious of but for the benefit of this match, could be trusted. Um, And that showed itself when the League of Nations ran in. There was obviously four of them. They ran in to kind of like attack Roman and, you know, sort of cheat, basically. And then you go, blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, there were the Wyatts. I think Luke Harper was injured, so I think it was Braun and uh, Eric Rowan. There to fend off the League of Nations, leaving it just a two-on-two. Braid made good on his word. Bray hits the sister Abigail on maybe Alberto Del Rio, and without even looking, does the coolest thing the character has ever done, a no-look point at Seamus for Roman Reigns to spear Seamus out of his boots while the referee's hand is counting two, counting three. Go and look for it online. Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt versus the League of Nations. For all of three seconds in that no-look point, Bray Wyatt was the coolest motherfucker going, right? So, yeah, you say that I'm picky with Bray Wyatt. Look, seven years, whatever it is, three seconds, he was awesome. And also, you didn't dislike the fiend the whole time. You and I were oh Christ of the what culture office after SummerSlam, weren't we? Hundred percent. I love yes. the entrance. The fact you didn't see him, you couldn't really see him. He was like a horror monster. Yeah, right at that time. Yeah. And then jagged. It was odd. Finn Balor was in angelic white to like to sort of play at the darkness of the fiend. That was impeccable. Absolutely impeccable. They killed it in a month, but yeah. that was. The, the original presentation of The Fiend was unbelievable. Again, another thing to add to another probably 10-point list of just like, wow, everyone really likes this Fiend. Should we should we book him in the world title? No, if you're not going to give it to him straight away, no. It's funny, if you, um, hypothetically, you say about 10-point lists, I don't know, off the top of my head, if you were to Google the words 10 reasons why Bray Wyatt is WWE's worst modern creation, you, you might find a list. I, 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 don't know, I don't know who wrote it, but like Google those words, you might find something. I don't know. I promise a nice question if you did that one. So I'll give it you now. Uh, it's from Edward Shiraz Hands, who says, uh, if you could make a crossover between BoJack Horseman and wrestling, 
wrestler would you insert into the BoJack universe? And if you like BoJack Horseman, can you advise anyone on any podcast that they should listen to? Well, indeed. Um, Podcast Horseman is a tremendous podcast, reviewing every episode of BoJack Horseman week by week that drops every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get them. Leaves a five-star review. You might get a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. Um, It's really good. I can only... It's got Adam Nicholas in it. He, I mean, (laughs) that guy. Christ almighty. Like, what culture's most handsome man? He's also erudite and he has some wonderful opinions on television and he carries the other guy doing it. So I fully recommend Podcast Horseman if you're into your Bojack. Thank you, Edward Shiraz Hans. He's always contributed to our podcast as well. I would go with, because Bojack deals so deftly with the themes of misogyny and sexism with Vince McMahon himself. Um, It looks looks at the production of Hollywood films from the very top down and how it's just... Well, funnily enough, there is a theme around Bojack about how ultimately underneath... Uh, Hollywood is this figurative black tar, which is quite relevant at the moment, isn't it? In terms of like what gets pushed and who gets opportunities. So yeah, Vince McMahon himself feels like a perfect fit for that universe. Uh, traditionally, this curses the podcast uh, due to my dreadful internet when I say final few questions here, Michael Hamlet. <laughs> cross everything. Tyler Holloway says, hello, gents. Uh, do you think we'll ever see a day where there will be a two-way street between the main roster uh, talent and NXT. I, I'll campaign for it on every podcast. It feels like these days, desperately put them in the draft, um, put them in the brand split, stop farting around and pretending it's a developmental one. It's not make it a third brand. And for Christ's sake, give some of those trapped NXT wrestlers a bit of breathing room, even if they fail on Raw and SmackDown. It's different. It's a different landscape than it was when the golden era were getting called up in 2015. Do it and do it yesterday. Le Grand by 1312th of her name says, How bad is Lex <laughs> Express? Sorry, the Nightmare Express. Oh, I see what they're doing. They've seen my name. I didn't. We, if you listen to our AEW review, um, I was quite kind to it because it was commandeered by the heels. So it's like, it's almost Cutie Marshall saying, Cody is an arsehole because he put his iconography all over a frigging bus. I'm going to take that bus. Like, I I can just about let that go. That's slightly different to baby faces being arseholes with fancy cars. Slightly different. And they get one go to use it, and they've done it now. Like, I don't need to see next week on Dynamite. <laughs> and that being, like, part of Cody's introduction now. I don't need any of that. But, uh, yeah, wrestling has more than one. Megabus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for this week and this week alone, the introduction of that I thought was quite nice. That's yeah. like, it's good that Cody was hiding on their way to pick his moment. Uh, final question. I'll say this to last because I love it. Uh, and it gives us the most time to think about our possible answers for this. It comes from Michael Kohler and uh, it says two-parter, only half of it is wrestling related. What is one song you would love to see used as a theme and for whom? And impossible question I know, but favourite album of all time? Michael Kohler's a great music head on Twitter. He often replies to me about music things. So I feel under additional pressure not to get this one wrong. I know it's an opinion. I know it's taste. My favourite album ever, I think, is still um, Grace by Jeff Buckley. Um, it's one of them ones that like is on a lot of people's lists. So it's not like a fancy, clever or pretentious choice. Um, but I'm a sucker for the seminal sometimes. And that's what that album was. My brother, I've got an older brother. And it was in the year 2000, I think. Uh, I first heard Grace by Jeff Buckley, which was five years after it came out and about three after he died. But um, I love my introduction to that album because I'd asked for a PJ Harvey album for my birthday 
and two CDs were wrapped. And the PJ Harvey one had a tag on saying, because you wanted it. And the Jeff Buckley had a tag on saying, because you need it. And I learned after the fact why that was. Grace by Jeff Buckley is excellent. Theme for a wrestler. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the theme from the television programme, The Return of the Saint. And if that doesn't spring to mind what that song is, I encourage everybody to go and Google the scene where Alan Partridge takes Lynn to mourn her dead mother at the funeral, at the, uh, at the cemetery, right? So Lynn, so Lynn is there at the grave and Alan sits and waits for her, gives her about half an hour to grieve because he's got a very busy day. He's minutes. watching Bond films later on. Yeah, it's 10 um, minutes. You've got 10 minutes. Give her, and, uh, what, give her everything you've got, Lynn. Give her everything you've got. And while Lynn's at the grave mourning her dead mother, Alan is air drumming in the car with this total <laughs> banger of a song. And it's the extended version of The Return of the Sin. And what's so great about it is that it's like, it's a wrestling theme in construction. So you get this like quite sort of low bassy start, like the boom, 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 boom. And Alan plays this beautifully because he's just tip, 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 tapping the steering wheel. And then he closes his eyes and goes, and I've always imagined that as the bit where you burst through the curtain. Mm-hmm. Like that's the like you sort of sat there, you're in gorilla, getting fired up. You could see it on like a, a WWE Network 24 special where like this is the point where the boom, 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 but that's where the bottle of water goes over your head, and then and you see Bruce Pritchard go like that, and then you go through the curtain. Hundred thousand people go wild. So yeah, the themes of the Return of the Saints. YouTube that, but please YouTube Alan taking Lynn to his mother's grave instead. That's a hell of a shout, you know. Um, favorite album for me. Uh, I'm be incredibly basic here. I have to say because it's they're my favourite bands of all time. AM by Arctic Monkeys. Um, mm. I, you know, I'm from Chesterfield, very close to Sheffield, so I had a bit of an affiliation with with Arctic Monkeys. They they released everything people everything that the the people say they're, they're, they're what I am. That's what I'm not. That that one they released that when I was about thirteen. Uh, mm. That was you know, ideal. And then I, you know, everything after that. Um, I just think AM's just, it's an album I can listen to over and over and over again. Um, all that. Arctic Monkeys story. I have a very brief Arctic Monkeys story. I was, as they were, their rise was so like seismic and rapid through the MySpace growth. I was working at a student union that had them on, uh, that had booked them when they were tiny and then were set to host them when they were enormous. There was like security that couldn't deal with crowd surfers. The building was a fire hazard the whole night. And the building was such a ramshackle tin pot venue that we didn't even have a green room for them. So they just had to sit in our upstairs bar area while we set up the bottle bar. And they were just strumming their acoustic guitars and um, playing Oasis songs. And I didn't record that audio so I could later sell it on eBay, did I? So it's just <laughs> left there in my memory, not being monetized at all. But they were very nice in real life. This was before they were enormous megastars. I don't know what they're like. Yeah, I've been to see them in Sheffield. I've been to see them in big arenas. And I've been to see them at Leeds Festival. And it got pretty steadily more and more carnage. Uh, <laughs> particularly enjoyed, because I'm a big fan of theirs. I've loved every album that they've released. Whatever people say that I am, that's what I'm not. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, but I particularly enjoyed the latest album getting released. Me and Josh Brown going, oh, this is, is this even better than AM? It's certainly up there. It's very different. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's certain uh, factions of Arctic Monkeys fans, maybe slightly late to the party, let's say. Maybe certain Strongbow Dark Fruit fans of Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> Thinking Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Oh, this isn't what I wanted. 
yeah well because they change their sound because they're mint like that um i'll tell you what another album that i cannot get enough of and this is very different from what i've just mentioned is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by kanye west um mm. another album i can listen to over and over and over again and i'm going to pick a song from that as my wrestling entrance theme and it's something i've used when asking about pissed with my mates to do wrestling entrance theme uh, a mate of mine had a, a thing in his lounge where he had like a like a they they removed a wall so there's they, there should have been a wall and a door and the wall's been removed and it's now just been edged in like lights in built into the wall so you can just turn that on and also feel like a bloody wrestler so obviously we did that at a house party once and i played all of the lights by kanye west including oh yes the one minute interlude um as <laughs> As an entrance for that, because yeah, and I suppose if I've, I hadn't really thought about who I could give it to, but Mustafa Ali because he does the light gimmick. I don't bloody know. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, it'll pop, it'll get anyone over, and uh, it would uh, pop everyone's tits off in the arena. Great question, that though, Michael Cola. Let us know yours uh, answers to that actually uh, underneath the uh, the tweet for this this podcast at What Culture WWE. And keep letting us know your questions. We'll answer as many as them um, as we can. Going forward, plenty more of these podcasts to come your way. I really enjoy doing these with all the members of the What Culture Wrestling team. Uh, follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. But thanks to everyone who sent us Twitter questions today uh, and uh, who've uh, sent them to us for the news as well. They're always great to do in the morning with with Andy Murray. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Michael Hamflet, and we. We'll see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.